0: Welcome, friends, to Generations. This is Kevin Swanson, your host as well, Bill Jack from Worldview Academy, with me on this edition. And, Bill, I want to talk about the good news and the bad news on this edition with uh, basically a worldwide view of what is going on at the end of 2023. We're wrapping up. <laughs> there's a lot of bad news. <laughs> there is, but there's a lot of good news. Uh, there is
1: good news approaching with with the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior.
0: Yep. Yep. uh, He reigns. You agree with that? I do. King of kings, Lord of lords, and things are playing out according to God's purpose in all of history. And uh, I've been working fairly hard on a world history course, spent maybe the last two months working through the 1800s, the 19th century. And uh, in the 1700s, 1800s, you had colonialism, slavery, lots of slavery. Catholicism persecuted evangelicals in South America, especially on into the 1800s. Wasn't that much Christian persecution at that time, but you also had, you know, the, 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 the huge influence of, let's just say primitivism, paganism, cannibalism, spiritualism, spiritualism, demonic influence uh, that seemed to have such a force in so much of Africa. So, you know, yeah, we've always been a, up against the devil, effectively, right? right? The devil is active. Well, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Well, yeah. And, and so you have two aspects. One is you have the lapsed Christian Catholic Church and somewhat Protestant Church that has given way to uh, slavery and is, is brought now evolution And Marxism and some of the humanist indoctrination that uh, occurs in the 19th century. But now you move into the 20th century and the 21st century, and what you're finding is an unraveling of the foundations of all of society, especially here in the Western world. I've done a series on worldview. It's called Keep the Faith for our church on Sunday mornings over the last uh, two months or so. And We're working through Genesis 1, 2, and 3. The thing that's extraordinary is the last, I'm going to say, hundred years of this nation's history has really been spent jettisoning the foundations of Christian society, but really all of society. And you begin with creation, and of course that was jettisoned with the doctrine of evolution. And please don't underestimate the degree to which a materialistic theory of evolution can undermine the entire Worldview, uh, the 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 approach to science, approach to uh, metaphysics, approach to teleology. When you have effectively given up the possibility of God as the source of human life on planet Earth, you've abandoned the possibility of any purpose for human life. We have reduced ourselves to nothing but cosmic dust floating on the universe of pure chance, and that has done untoward damage to the modern psyche. In other words. I think it was a point at which C.S. Lewis would say that the primitive pagan man is so much further ahead than modern man has embraced a godless and atheistic uh, worldview. That is, they at least had something of a fear of God slash the gods to the point that they had, you know, something of a purpose and meaning for life. But that's been completely abandoned in an atheistic, naturalistic, evolutionary sorts of uh, worldview that dominates in our country today so uh so and again at every point if you think about this god has instituted his doctrine of creation he's created us we are sourced in him the creation of man of course that's been undermined by uh, evolutionary theory also gender god introduces the creation of man in his own image male and female created he them but that's of course been undermined by the transgender movement of the last 10 years which really got its start with louisa may alcott Some people don't understand that the first wave of feminism had a great deal of transgenderism involved, and that's now uh, borne a tremendous amount of fruit. And uh, we have this transgender confusion today. The gender blender has utterly destroyed the concept of God's created order of gender. And uh, so, again, at every point, whether it be the creation of man, gender dominion, of course, that's been undermined by uh, serving the Uh, and worshiping the creature rather than the creator and environmentalism and so forth uh, being fruitful and multiplying. That was the other creation mandate that God brought to us. And that again has been undermined by Malthusian craziness and the, the, the worldview that I I think probably is the, the, the the most important tenet of modern humanism is uh, abortion, abortifacients, and to reduce the birth rate. Think about Bill Gates and, and pretty much, Every part of the modern zeitgeist is all about uh, reproduction, less sex, and and all forms of birth control and uh, conception control. So again, you know, at every point of God's created order, it's been undermined by the modern world. Think about uh, being fruitful, and multiplying. Think about cultural beauty that's been undermined. Economic value of gold in Genesis chapter two, God establishes the basic economic value, the gold in the land was good. So he establishes that as a good thing at the very beginning. Also, man was not created to be alone. This is the other aspect of creation and isolation has been pretty much the the, the thing that has so characterized modern man. Uh, Ernest Hemingway, John Steinbeck, East of Eden, etc. Always being sure that uh, in say of mice and men, uh, the man kills his best friend. Uh, the whole idea is to kill your brother and kill any other relationship in your life and then wander in the wilderness east of Eden as Cain did. So the isolation of modern man is uh, probably the most distinguishing feature of, of what we have become in the Western world. So if you think about every one of these things, so I've just been working through it, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and then you get to marriage and clothing, at the end of chapter two, which is what I dealt with on Sunday, those also have been obviously very much undermined and uh, utterly destroyed. Think about homosexual marriage, the divorce problem, and, and all the rest is just completely incinerated the, the God's creation Order And that's the point, is that God's creation—and and this is the removal of common grace. This is the point at which you know even pagan and primitive societies were able to sustain themselves. And the point I made on Sunday is that I, just, I can see that the true Christian church can remain where the grace of God sustains us. But it's hard for me to see that society will survive the next 50 years. Now, what makes our society so unique is that, uh, yeah, there have been pagan tribes wiped off their ice field— and the lights have gone off in Rome from time to time, and you wander into the jungles of the Amazon and find, you know, these uh, once existent civilizations that no longer exist. But what we have today is so unique in that we're talking about, you know, two, three, four billion people, and all of them at the same time have imbibed a form of philosophy and worldview that, uh, just cannot possibly sustain a civilization. And that's what makes this so urgent. That's what makes this thing so unusual. You know, it's hard for me to imagine that this civilization will survive. I'm talking about Western civilization and a great deal of modern civilization. And yet I do believe that those who who are rooted and grounded upon these doctrines of the word of God, they've received, you know, a biblical worldview. They're building their, their, their families, their homes, their marriage and their churches on a biblical worldview, that will survive. But I can't imagine that our civilization can survive jettisoning the doctrine of creation, gender, basic economic stuff, you know, and all the rest, all the other things that we've talked about.
1: I, I, I uh, train my students at, at Worldview at the Abbey and at, uh, at our Worldview leadership camps throughout the summer that when anybody asks them why they do what they do, they should answer with four words. These four words should trip off the tip of their mind whenever they're asked why they do anything—from caring for their younger siblings to struggling with advanced math to to being moral to seeking to advance in society. Those four words are because of the Creator. Mm -hmm. Because of the Creator, why do we do what we do? Because of the Creator. From evangelism to everyday life. It's because of the Creator. And we have left that in the dustbin at most churches. We just say we want to tell people about Jesus. But why do you want to tell people about Jesus? It's because of the Creator. Mm-hmm. Because we bear, we are the image of the Creator on this planet. We are His ambassadors, in a sense. If I went to France as the ambassador of the United States, I would be the United States in, in France. I would have all the authority and power of the United States in France. And we have failed to recognize that as Christians. I do too often that I am his ambassador on this planet. I have the power and authority that he's given me to be fruitful, to multiply, to take what is around me, to mix it with my mind, my body, and produce the fruit of my labor, to proclaim his truth and grace. And it's because of the Creator that we go out and do everything. That should be what motivates us, and it has been thrown to the curb by most churches.
0: And then finish the story, and we fell. We fell into sin because we uh, broke the covenant that, we, that He made with us. That is, we sinned against the Creator, yep. and then He established a way of redemption. The Creator came to earth. Was born in a stable, was put on the cross, rose from the dead on the third day, and now we are restored. Yes. We are restored. Our relationship with the Creator has been restored because the Creator Himself yes took upon Himself human flesh, uh, dwelt among us, and then uh, and then died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day. So, friends, we're dealing with these sorts of things today. And somebody asked me recently, "What are the major cultural issues right now in our society?" And I would say. The thing that we grapple with more than anything else is isolation, self-oriented narcissism, idolatry, addiction, and pornography. The sexual corruption of the day has huge ramifications uh, to marriage, to relationship, to family, and uh, wow, at this point, uh, we we really need to repent and believe the gospel. In other words, we can't allow ourselves— one little bit to absorb the worldview that is out there. But at every point at which the world has separated itself from the creation mandate and from the creation order and from God's system that he has set up, uh, we need to renew our minds. We need to repent and we need to turn back to the creator in repentance and faith and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we will be saved. Okay, so that's the short gospel message. So what what is the good news given that We have moved away from a Christian society and Christian underpinnings of Western civilization, so much of civilization around the world today. Where are we today, and where are we going? That next on Generations. Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum, specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith, in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world, where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularists for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. We are back on the Generations broadcast. Kevin Swanson here as we discuss the incredible influence of Karl Marx, uh, Charles Darwin, and some of the influential philosophers of the 19th century in bringing about almost a total destruction of a civilization yet the church of Jesus Christ continues and yes there has been something of a decrease in church attendance church attendance in america has fallen in half in the last 15 years just 15 years and uh, an england england's church attendance dropped off from 40% i'm going to say in 1900 to roughly 6% in 1970 now it's down to about 3% so again Church attendance, the influence upon the average citizen of England and America is dropping off quickly or has dropped off. And yet, at the very same time, the Gordon Conwell numbers just came out most recently. I think the numbers are for 2020. We find that the numbers overall of Christian adherents around the world has pretty much flatlined since 1900, but the percentage has shifted from west to east, way more Eastern Christians, and north to south, from Europe down into Africa. So it's gone north to south. Uh, west to east and it turns out that jesus has not lost ground what he's done in the last hundred years is readjust his strategy and pull away from the apostate nations of europe and north america and the increase in south america africa and asia has been phenomenal in the last hundred years i would say far beyond anything we've seen in the history of the christian church so are we in a good mood or what is going on is it good news there's bad news Well, on the one hand, I think there's reason to be encouraged. One is the fire is burning, and after the fire burns in an apostate church, and that's what's going on in America today, there is less wood, hay, and stubble. Why? Well, it's because it's all burned up. It's all burned up. And uh, certainly more gold, silver, and precious stones. So that's a good thing. Also, churches are more and more identifying with three things. Churches in America are more identified as the true church, the church that's serious. Talking about the, the serious, sincere church of Jesus Christ, I think we're getting more and more serious on three things, Bill. The first is God-centeredness. I believe that we're coming back to a God-centeredness, not a man-centeredness, not a humanistic way of thinking, but a God-centeredness on, on well, pretty much everything. We don't, we're not interested, the, the true church isn't interested in the man-centered worship, the man-centered view of truth and ethics, or the man-centered view of of reality or metaphysics no no we're we're looking at god as sovereign god as the source of truth of ethics of of uh of a reality that is god god sovereignly directs what's going on in the world it's not not the state that does that no that's god who does it god is overall the god over allness. the god is the source of truth that god is the very center of life and worship uh yeah we're looking at god-centered churches springing up all over the world today also secondly a true full or powerful gospel that doesn't uh, waffle in the face of homosexuality. No, 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 no. We're looking at a powerful gospel, a full-orbed gospel that speaks to every area of life, calls men and women to repentance and faith, and really does, really does, build, save people from sin. And then thirdly, discipleship. I think real churches are turning towards discipleship. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about just you know uh, college ministries. I'm thankful for the college ministries, but now the churches are becoming more and more serious, not as speaking to six or eight or a thousand people at a time, but really taking that 12 young men and, uh, and walking with them, talking with them, doing the devotions with them on a daily basis or weekly basis for a period of three, four, five, six, seven years. So that serious form of discipleship, really what you're doing in the Abbey is really right in line with what's happening there. And it's what I'm doing every day. I've got five Bible studies going on five days a week, Monday through Friday with uh, approximately 16 or 17 young men. So that's, that's been an every week sort of thing for the last 14 years of my life. But we're looking at serious churches engaging seriously. And uh, we're we're just down to discipling and discipling the nations, discipling the next generation of young men and young women who will be the future fathers and mothers and, uh, and leaders of the nation. So You know, I I think we're just getting more serious on these particular issues, and the flaky, modern, liberalized, uh, compromised uh, church that uh, basically gives you a nothing-burger gospel is something I think most of Christians are turning away from.
1: Well, that would be good news, and that is good news, that we are seeing a winnowing, if you will, a separating of wheat from chaff, and, and
0: it's becoming much
1: more obvious. So...
0: Bill, this weekend I wrote a summary letter. It's my Christmas letter, really, for Christmas Day for some of our constituents as part of the Generations Ministry. But can I read this as we wrap up this edition of the program? I just need an amen now and then from you, from the congregation. Okay, so okay, I'm not forcing you to do that, but uh, here, here it goes. I have spent the last year working through a history of the impact of Jesus Christ in the whole world. My book Epoch focused on the West, but now I've shifted focus to the entire globe, and the story is phenomenal. After wrapping up my 700-page grand tour of the world over 2,000 years of Jesus, here are a few takeaways. First, I am thankful for Jesus. Truly, the world will never be the same after the visitation of the Son of God to the earth. I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ has redeemed and continues to redeem and restore the years the locusts have eaten in my family, in your family, and everywhere. Amen. Second, I am surprised. I am thankful that this amazing work is continuing everywhere around the world to this day. And our ministry has been able to play a part in it. After visiting 30 countries for ministry work, I have been surprised at the progress Jesus has already made in the very darkest corners of this earth. While there isn't going to be any perfection on earth and we can't ignore the moral travesties about us, the 2000 year trajectory of an ever expanding kingdom work is impossible to miss if you read history. Third, this isn't over yet. In some places, it seems that Jesus is just getting started. The next segment of kingdom work is kicking in right now as the hearts of fathers turn to the children and a generational discipleship adds depth and breadth to the kingdom work in this country, Africa, Asia, and South America. I'm thankful that what we have seen in this country, a rising new generation, totally connecting with this vision. Number four, it is through much tribulation we enter the kingdom of heaven. I am thankful for the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, laying their lives down on the altar for Jesus. These are missionaries, martyrs, pastors, women of faith, and this record continues to this day. The blood of the martyrs is never wasted, and the worldwide persecution occurring right now will have a hugely positive effect for Jesus' work in the following centuries should Christ tarry. Now, I'm thankful for the love of God that just doesn't stop and never fails, even when we're up against tribulation, peril, or sword. Fifthly, I'm thankful for revivals. Holy Spirit Pentecostal outpourings have appeared in every century, somewhere around the world, always resulting in thousands of conversions, huge missionary zeal, and amazing fruits for the Church of Jesus. I'm thinking of the Korean Pentecost of 1907, the William Burns and Robert Murray macshane Pentecostal outpourings of 1840 in Scotland, the Welsh revivals of 1859, the South African Zulu revival of 1967, the Great Awakening of the 1740s, and the Moravian Pentecost of the 1726, which resulted in 100 years of 724-hour prayer for the Christian mission to the world. These will be presented in more detail in a new release of my book in June of 2024. But here's sixth. The world is passing away with its lust thereof, But he who does the will of God abides forever. The great empires of men fade away. Imperialistic colonialism, mercantilism, slavery, sexual perversion, fanicide, and abortion always come to an end. By the kingdom of Jesus Christ, it just keeps plugging along. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the work of Jesus. And I am so thankful. Seventhly, I am excited, humbled, and grateful that we get to play a part in this next chapter of the unfolding saga on earth. I'm thankful for our dedicated team, our team of workers here with Generations, and thankful, of course, for our supporters that keep us going year after year. Above all, let's be thankful for Jesus this Christmas season. All has been made possible by his incarnation, his death, and his resurrection. And he is king, he's our savior, and he will reign forever. Amen. Amen. Did that puts you in a better mood? Yeah. Okay, that was what I was attempting to do. (laughs) Bill, it's a perspective, isn't it? I mean, you've got to look at a 2,000-year perspective. You've got to look at the entire globe, and that's what we've done with our curriculum. And that's what I'm doing with this new edition of Taking the World for Jesus. I'm doubling the size of it, and it's more exciting. I think it's my favorite book (laughs) that I've ever read or written (laughs) because it just pulls together all the stories of what Jesus has done over 2,000 years, and uh, he's not done yet. He's not done yet. Because of the Creator. That's right. That's right. Well, friends, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast. Just want to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Jesus still reigns. He's got more to do next year. Be excited. Be a part of it. This is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.